Welcome to the Text and Rock Show. Ancient Story, Better Tomorrow. Let's begin. If you or I were going to write a story, Eric, we would say, okay, we're going to need some characters. We're going to need with those, like, to know what those characters are like. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to need some events. Like, these are the events in the story that happen. Mm-hmm. And then we would sit down and we would write, you know, the beginning and the middle and the end. Uh-huh. And there'd be, like, you know, a normal, everyday person that was content and happy. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they hit a problem or an obstacle uh-huh. that sends them on a journey. And right. through that journey, they not only have an external accomplishment, but they also have an internal change. Right. And that's the right. recipe for a baller story. Right. 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 That's not how the ancients write at all. Uh-huh. The ancients have a collection of very old stories yeah. that have been told orally and written down for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, a famous scholar named Iser was the first one to kind of nameless and he called it a cultural repertoire the repertoire or collection of a culture and if you think about our modern culture well in our cultural repertoire or our like story bank Mm -hmm. well we have all these disney stories we have all these songs Mm-hmm. Like you flip through the radio and you get to the classic rock station yeah. and you've probably heard 90% of the songs in your life. They're just in your cultural repertoire. Right. 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 Yeah. Or if we make a, if we make a joke about Simba or Mufasa, everyone's tracking because they all know the language. they King, know the, right? right. Right. So they all know flood stories. They all know creation myths. There are, several core stories that get used and reused over and over again. Mm -hmm. Okay. When that happens, it's called a floating motif. Yes. It floats because you can dive into different places in literature and plug it in. Plug in. Yes. And it's a motif because it's a core storyline. Right. So the core storyline we're dealing with here is for one reason or another, the gods decide to end humanity and they bring about a great flood step two for one reason or another the god or a god from the council warns a righteous person or a person of merit in this case i wouldn't call gilgamesh righteous proper well yeah yeah that's true (laughs) but they warn him and tell him to build a boat step three he has to bring a bunch of animals and species that are going to survive After this flood. Yeah. Step four. Honestly, the flood happens and the guy starts to release birds to see if the land's back. Yeah. And the idea is if the bird starts bringing back vegetation, then the water's receded and I can find land and Mm -hmm. and I'm good. Right? Yeah. And step four, this isn't true in every case, but there's some kind of promise from the gods or God not to do it again. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh And so- When you come to the Bible, you're not only dealing with a flood story, you're dealing with two. We have two clear stories stitched together to make the Noah story. And that's why there's so many repeated facts that don't match or so many moments where like, if you go read the flood story closely, 
You're like, you already said that. Why are you saying that again? Yeah. It's because these scribes value the core stories that have been passed down to them from the cultural mm -hmm. repertoire and they don't change them. They just stitch them together. Yeah. Very yeah. rarely do they change the text because they view it as a sacred story. Yeah. But they have no problem plugging it into their own literature their own, um, and making it about our guy. Yeah. Changing yeah. characters and minor events, no problem. But as much as you can keep it the same, you should. That's um, kind of their MO, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you're in the Bible and someone points out, well, this can't be true because there's also a story about Utnapishtim or about Atrahasis, your blanket reaction is like, well, it must have really happened in the Bible scripture, so it's true. And I say, yeah, it must have really happened. There must have been a flood at some point that triggered an explosion of literary content. Right. But the right. wrong question to ask is what really happened. Yeah. The yeah. right question to ask is how is the author of the Bible putting the flood story to work? There yeah. are some key yeah. differences about Noah and Noah's story compared to a story like Gilgamesh. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to go after the, all those today. We're not. But that's what you're dealing with here. You've got like a floating motif. If you want to hear in-depth coverage of the entire flood story, go to the old episode archive at textandrock.com and you can hear it in painstaking detail. <laughs> if you're just going to listen to one, I'd listen to Noah the Never Nude. Oh, yeah. A play right. on Tobias yeah. from Arrested Development. Yeah. But it's a fun story <laughs> that happens right after the flood. And you won't be sorry. <laughs> you won't be sorry. Yeah, That's yeah. right. That's right. Okay, so big idea with the storyline, though, is Gilgamesh journeys all the way to Utnapishtim for the secret of how he can live forever. And yeah. Utnapishtim says, well, it's because I survived the, the flood and I had the help of the gods. So yeah. I don't know, bro. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right? But here's a little plot uh, device that happens at the tail end of this section. Yeah. And then next time we'll yeah. talk about... Gilgamesh's one shot at immortality that he misses. Okay. But Utnapishtim makes a deal with Gilgamesh. He says, okay, if you want to live forever, you're going to have to stay awake. Yeah. So if you yeah. can stay awake for one week, I'll tell you how you can become immortal. <laughs> and Gilgamesh is like, okay, deal. And he makes it like 10 and a half minutes. He's like Jesus' disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just like epic fail. Right. He's like, well, I, you know, I traveled so far and, and right. I killed all these animals for these skins. And I just. And how? Yeah. 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 yeah so just, he, he yeah. can't make it. Right. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Is that kind of like uh, in. Uh, um, what is that called? Dorothy and the Yellow Brick Road, where they fall asleep in the uh, the poppy in field. The poppy field. It's like exactly like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's just nothing to be done about it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a fun one. We're gonna tie up the story next episode and really talk about what to do with the fact that Gilgamesh ultimately discovers he has to embrace his mortality one last time and what that looks like for each of us. But yeah. Texan Rockers, we love you and it's great to be back in action. We do. Bye everyone. Be good to each other.
This episode was influenced by modern literary theories of composite literature, oral tradition, story writing and floating motifs, and by the work of Wolfgang Eiser. Also by Disney's The Lion King. Here's my little secret. I killed Mufasa. The Text and Rock Show is the creative work of Mark Schaefer and Eric Madison. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes drop. If the show adds value to your life, please consider leaving them a review or sharing Text and Rock with a friend. You can explore other Text and Rock digital productions or contact Mark and Eric by simply clicking the link in the show notes. Wasn't he surprised at all to see Gilgamesh? I mean, how many people does the visits? I mean, I don't know. That's the funny thing <laughs> about ancient literature is you only get what the author chooses to write, uh-huh. and you can ask all these questions, but <laughs> you you can't get any answers. It's uh-huh. like uh, it's like the MXPX song: the questions are many, the answers are few. few. <laughs> yeah, um, and the uh, the. The striking thing is, yeah, it's just like he's just like hanging out. You know? <laughs> Apparently, it's like pretty boring to live forever. Is he it? finds him and he's just like mm, lounging around. Lounging around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially people can't come visit you because you got scorpion guards and things, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know. And and it's like, I don't know if he like hangs out with the other gods all the time. Like, I'm one of you now. Uh-huh. Or if they're like, to them, he's like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He's, yeah. Like, he's, yeah, you're one of us. But in quotes. In quotes. But you don't join any of the rain god games that's right you think they do that when they talk to him uh you're a god yeah yeah air quotes <laughs> sure you're one of us poor guy that's yeah. not right well i don't know <laughs> I, I think he's doing the best he can with yeah. like you know we decided to flood the world think quick <laughs> think quick you know it's tough. It's it tough. is. It is. I love though. Just this is just an, a rando aside, but I love yeah. it. in the epic in the epic of Gilgamesh and almost every other flood story. The gods get annoyed with humanity, and specifically the noise of humanity. The noise. They're like whining children, mm-hmm. and what it's really addressing is the urbanization of humanity. Things are getting noisy, and there's a constant right. din coming up to the heavens from the cities. I mean, they're starting yeah. to build giant cities and temple complexes right. and right. have sanitation issues and mm-hmm. disputes, and it's just kind of a loud place yeah. compared to being a hunter-gatherer or a nomad. And the gods are basically like, oh, peace and quiet, you're done. (laughs) In the Bible, it's actually human sin towards one another that grieves Mm. God's heart. He's grieved how badly humanity is treating one another, Mm -hmm. and he basically sends the flood as a reset button. Right. What if I flood the earth and keep just one righteous person, and then Uh from that person— or from that person's seed, 
I can build a righteous people again that doesn't treat each other this way. Right, right. And so the motivation of God is very different. And we look at the story as a modern and we're like, oh yeah, the flood, the story about when God killed everyone, teach that to your kids at bedtime. (laughs) But if you think about an Iron Age culture where everyone knew the flood story. Yeah. There's going to be a flood story if you're going to tell the history of the world. Right. In the Bible. There has to be. Yeah. And what the author's yeah. done is the question is, how's he put it to work? Well, he's mm-hmm. put it to work to show that humanity's evil towards one another will stop at nothing and that it's ruining the house of the world. And mm-hmm. to be quite honest, how true is that? Right. 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 Yeah. And so we we will watch people across an ocean starve and do nothing. We will attack a neighboring country just to suit our own pride. We right. will send drones right. from the sky oh to kill families yes. in the name of our army and our military mm-hmm. being good or good. a force for good and then wonder why there's animosity back the myth of redemptive violence is the cause of the violence of god in the early chapters of the bible Uh so So, put that in your bible (laughs) all right that can be our outtake or something okay okay all right ready to wrap it up ready okay